Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we deliver mining insights and bullion sales in the form of physical delivery, offshore depositories, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Joining us for a conversation is Dr. Eric Jensen, the General Manager of Exploration for EMX Royalty, the royalty generator. Dr. Jensen, welcome to the show, sir. Yeah, great to talk to you with you again, Maurice. Uh, last time we spoke, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, 2017, and uh, that was at the Sprott Natural Resource Symposium. And, and by the way, EMX at that time, sir, was trading around 90 cents on the New York Stock Exchange. EMX has come a long way since then. Uh, sir, would you please share with us, what is the current price for EMX royalty on the New York Stock Exchange? Yeah, we've been doing very well. And we're now trading in the U.S. $3.50 range. I believe we closed at $3.67 today in New York. So that was, a, yeah, we've had a, a good trend. And I think the last time you and I spoke, you know, we were, that was a time when the sector was uh, just emerging from that slump that we went through between 2011 and 2016. Mm-hmm. And I remember, that, I remember that conversation distinctly because, you know, we're sitting there, like you said, we were hovering in the 90 cent range and uh, the people inside the company, you know, we could see how much value we've created and that we were, we, you know, we, were, we felt we were very, very tremendously undervalued at that time. And, uh, you know, in the intervening uh, couple of years since we've spoken, yeah, we've continued to create a lot of value, grow the portfolio. And, uh, yeah, the market's now recognizing that. And I think that and we will certainly continue to leverage the strength of our the strength of our business approach and business model. And for anyone listening at Proven Improbable, we have full confidence that the value proposition of EMX Royalty will continue to reward shareholders. I'm on record. I plan to match my bullion purchases, and anyone that knows me, I love my precious metals, for the <laughs> third year in a row in shares in EMX Royalty. Dr. Jensen, for someone new to EMX Royalty, please introduce the company. Yeah, so just a, a, sort of a high-level look at what EMX is. You know, I like fundamentals, as do our team members, and uh, we believe in the long-term value of mineral rights and mineral real estate. And EMX maintains a diverse portfolio of mineral project interests around the world. Uh, we now have over 200 project uh, interests. This spans many jurisdictions, commodities, industry partnerships, or commercial frameworks. And with that, we offer our investors uh, exposure to uh, discovery upside and the optionality, you hear that word a lot now in our sector, the optionality inherent to the mineral rights. Uh, these things will continue to grow in value through time as the world uh, economies continue to grow, expand. We see development in the development nation and the developing nations. Yeah, more mineral, uh, mineral real estate, mineral rights have become more valuable, and that will continue. And our, mm-hmm. our share price performance certainly re- reflects that. But, uh, Maurice, just a quick word about royalties, too. You know, we're a bit different than other uh, companies in our sector in that a lot of our exposure, the value that we create in our companies via the royalty generation model. And, and this gives exposure to our shareholders to cash flows from royalties without the liability exposures or the capital risk exposures that come with the development and the operational uh, side of the business. It's just a great way to leverage the long-term value of mineral resource production and the value of, of mineral rights uh, in, a global, in a global sense. Dr. Jensen, EMX Royalty just consummated another creative transaction in Scandinavia involving nickel, copper, cobalt, and platinum group elements. Investors are curious to find out why EMX Royalty has taken a strategic position in these said metals. But before we get into the details of the transaction, yeah. provide us with some context on these said metals from a production and consumption outlook, respectively, beginning with cobalt. What is the opportunity here? 
Yeah, uh, this is a this is a re- that's actually a really good question, and actually I'll address both nickel and cobalt together because they're, they're they're part and parcel of the same of the same uh, commercial phenomenon. But you know we are really we're particularly uh, bullish about about nickel, and uh, in particular nickel sulfide deposits because those types of deposits are primary sources of both nickel and cobalt, so they occur together in these deposits. But also there's typically a fair amount of copper and byproduct PGEs, platinum group elements, which I know is something you're also quite interested in, and also gold. And we just love the optionality of that metal suite that are found in those types of deposits. And so you get all those things together. And as we know, you know, the electric, the, the electrification of vehicle fleets is now a worldwide phenomenon that's not going away. And these, these, uh, these vehicles will, and the batteries that are in these vehicles and the motors will consume quite a uh, quite an amount of nickel and copper. And so the, the world's going to continue to consume a tremendous amount of these materials in future years. There's no question about that. Everyone's aware of that. But one of the, the interesting things is between the years of you know 2011 and 2018, there was very little, uh, to, in some cases, arguably no uh, exploration for nickel sulfide deposits, these kinds of deposits where you get these elements all together. And uh, EMX, uh, during that time, we took a contrarian view. We saw this this surge in demand that was inevitable, uh, especially with the, uh, again, the electrification of vehicle fleets and some of the new technologies that were being introduced, in particular with uh, with batteries. We began to acquire these assets in 2016, 2017. Last time you and I talked, we, were doing, we started doing this. Mm-hmm. And we built a nice portfolio, especially in Northern Europe, uh, of these types of assets at a time when other companies simply were disinterested. And that has now changed. Suddenly, everyone is interested, in, and they should be. We're going to need a lot more of these metals as we go forward. And speaking of those jurisdictions, are those favorable mining jurisdictions for someone new to those uh, jurisdictions? We love working there. Uh, you know, it, uh, there are challenges around the world on the social side, the environmental side. That's growing. That's true for every jurisdiction. But what I love about Scandinavia is not only is the geology fantastic, you know, they've been mining for a thousand years up there. They have deposits scattered all over these countries. Norway was the world's leading nickel producer in the 1800s, and people have forgotten about that. There's lots of opportunity there. And the country like Norway, which switched the focus to petroleum production with the discoveries in the North Sea in the 1960s, as they should have, they've kind of forgotten about that mining heritage that country had. But both Sweden and Norway Hundreds, for hundreds of years, uh, coming out of the Middle Ages and, and through the Industrial Revolution, powered the world by provision of copper in particular and also nickel. A lot of people have forgotten that. And so, yeah, we're, we're hoping to revive a, a lot of that history. Sweden doesn't need to be revived. They just, they've been doing it slowly for a thousand years, but we're, we're, we're bullish on both jurisdictions. And on the permitting side, I do hear people say, well, isn't that a, isn't it those, aren't those tough jurisdictions to permit? I say absolutely not. What they have is a transparent framework with a very well-defined series of criteria that are applied. You know where you can explore and where you can't explore or shouldn't explore. And places where there's restrictive environmental covenants, we, sit, we simply stay out of those places. We work where we can work. I can permit a drill program in six to eight weeks in these countries, whereas elsewhere in the world, sometimes it takes months or even years. So, yeah, there's a big advantage there. And plus, they have fantastic fiscal regimes. You know, we're talking about corporate income tax rates in the low 20s, uh, no state royalties, uh, very progressive commercial structures. The power is very inexpensive, which is, you know, a third of the operating cost in mining is power consumption. And when you can buy electricity for four and a half euro cents per kilowatt hour versus 20, 30, 40 elsewhere in the world, that's a huge advantage. And so, yeah, we see some of the lowest cutoff grades 
in the world in those mining operations that are active in, in, uh, in the Nordic countries. It's a great place to work. You know, speaking of nickel, before we leave there, you have a surging price yeah. in nickel. It's it's starting to get uh, a lot of attention from investors. But to have the vision years ago to start making those accretive transactions and then also realizing that there's a potential supply de- uh, deficit in front of us, it's just it's great business acumen, yeah. a great business acumen. How about copper? People always sometimes forget about copper in this discussion. After steel, the number one uh, component, metal component that goes into electric vehicles is copper. By far, it's much greater than nickel and, and certainly a lot greater than cobalt. So let's not sleep on that one. And again, you know, the other, so the electrification of vehicle fleets is one thing, but just the, you know, advance uh, of, of the economies in developing nations as people continue to strive for first world standard of, standards of living around the world, uh, the, the, the consumption patterns for copper are very clear, and that's reflected in the current price support. And look what the pandemic couldn't do. It couldn't, it, you know, the, nickel and copper have come out of the pandemic looking very strong, as they should be, because we need them for this development. You know, speaking of copper, I've had the opportunity to interview Dr. Cole regarding this a couple of times, as w- with uh, Rick Rule. And we're going to consume more copper in the next 25 years than in all of recorded history. I'd love to use that slide in presentations. I put up a slide that shows exactly what you just said. It shows the amount, a symbol for the amount of copper that's been cons- discovered, produced, and consumed in world history, and then the same volume for the next 25 years. That's a very good point. That's not going away. And yeah, and the, the, the people that are continue, have continued to explore for both nickel and copper during the recent downturn and slump in the industry, yeah, we're really well poised. How about my favorite from a precious metals investment standpoint? That's the platinum group elements. What is the outlook on production and consumption on these metals? Uh, that's another good, yeah, that's another inter- really interesting group. Obviously, they have their, you know, fundamental value is seen as they're viewed as a precious metal, but these also have tremendous uh, industry applications. And uh, the, the, the platinum group elements in particular, they have this strange geochemical behavior. You know, these are elements that are, are components that are not, uh, they're very resistant to like corrosion and, and, and attack by chemical reagents, but yet they, they're able to catalyze chemical reactions in a phenomenal uh, capacity. And so they have a broad application in industry. This goes from you know, things like aircraft turbines, electronics, they're used extensively in the petrochemical industry, uh, medical field. There's a lot of new medical advances that are using these types of components. But of course, the, the big one is the catalytic converters and vehicles. Now, we talked about the electrification of vehicle fleets, but realistically, if you look at much of the developing world, internal combustion engines are not going away. Neither are cities. And when those two things are combined, you have smog, you have all the issues with uh, emissions of vehicles. And these elements are critical uh, in the supply of catalytic uh, component, the catalytic converter components to help us uh, uh, clean the air and have better emissions from these vehicles. That demand is not going anywhere, and these, these are critical components for that. And Dr. Jensen, correct me if I'm wrong, but the demand will also be there for electrification of vehicles because you've got to have them for the fuel cells. I, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. I did, yeah, I, I meant to mention that, yeah, those also fuel cells, that's a, people are pointing to the, the PGEs as a critical component for fuel cells. As we convert to that new technology, that's also going to drive demand on those metals. But, you know, uh, with their unusual chemical uh, characteristics, they're such a broad use for those. As technology continues to advance, we see new, uh, new ideas and new technological advancements. We'll, we'll continue to identify new applications for those as well. And just a reminder, and this is germane to platinum, but 78% of the world's platinum comes from a very unstable region of the world, and that is South Africa. 
So that's something that uh, really yeah. one should consider. In addition, that it's 30 times more rare than gold. And if I'm not mistaken here as well, and you correct me, please, sir, but I believe it's their, their cost to extract it is the, the spot price in, in essence. And that's, again, there's no, there's no profits coming in. Yeah, yeah, those those older uh, mines and older deposits that have been producing for so long now, yeah, you reach a point where the where you have diminishing ret- returns through time. And again, we just haven't done enough exploration for these types of deposits. And so, it's something that we've been keenly aware of for several years. We've been working on that. Now, how is EMX positioning shareholders to take advantage of the value proposition before us in these metals? Yeah, that's a good. You know, okay, so we, you know, for again, for several years, we've uh, we've been making not not the, the the primary focus, but a key focus of our exploration efforts uh, globally and our business development efforts. And so we've now built a, a, a substantial, a growing portfolio of royalties on nickel sulfide projects that include, you know, again, exposure to nickel, copper, cobalt, and PGEs. Uh, an interesting transaction we recently did was when we bought uh, a royalty on Palladium One's Kakua uh, project in Finland last year. Which is a big PGE project that had a, I think that the numbers that they post in there that they published is somewhere over just over a million contained ounces of PGEs in the resources. But that they're having a lot of exploration success, and that's undoubtedly going to grow. That looks like a big discovery now. Uh, but we've also been active in exploration for battery metal projects, which and these projects we have in our exploration side are going to be will be converted steadily to royalty interest through time as per our business model. And in fact, I just picked up a really interesting nickel copper PGE project last week. I can't talk about it yet because they're still putting the land together, but we, <laughs> we, we found another one of these things that was probably forgotten about. We found it in a database of historic drill information. And so, yeah, we've got uh, we've now have several battery metal partnerships established and uh, a growing number of projects that are available for partnership. And we're looking to do more business along those lines. And so, yeah, I expect a the heightened interest in this uh, this particular uh, metals grouping to, to to continue and to be significant in the coming years. And by the way, that's a two percent NSR with Palladium One. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. Part, uh, one part of that can be bought down, but that's a solid royalty. We're really excited about that one. Well, there's nothing wrong with getting some cash up front either. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Can argue with that either. <laughs> All right. It's a bonus payment. Yeah, absolutely. Let's discuss the proof of concept and the strategy by getting details on this week's press release entitled EMX Royalty Executes Option Agreement for Five Battery Metal Projects in Scandinavia. Take us to Scandinavia and let's visit Sweden first and then Norway and provide us with an overview on the commercial terms between EMX Royalty and Martin Laboratories EMG Limited. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Actually, this got a lot of, I, I really like the market reaction to this. This is a neat opportunity. And so th- this, again, grew out of just the, the current interest from the invest uh, the investing uh, sector in uh, these battery metal projects. And so Ellis Martin is someone we've worked with and had a relationship uh, for many years. And uh, he know, knows her. He's been a long, ardent supporter of EMX. And uh, he has a, a group of supporters that are looking to back a battery metals exploration company. So he came right to us and said, look, I know that you guys generate high quality uh, 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 mineral projects and exploration projects. And we want to, you know, we've got a, a group that wants to back a, a spinoff type uh, company. And we've done this several times in recent years. So we've taken this a commercial approach with uh, really good results for EMX gets an equity block in exchange for a portfolio of assets and also a, uh, a royalty interest on the assets and so we did this with a, with martin laboratories and so in this particular case it's going to start off on the on the private side but i know that ellis uh he's intending to obtain a public listing uh, rather quickly with this but what we can see is that with the support that's been that's behind this it's going to be a well-capitalized vehicle 
that allows us to do exactly what we do best, and that's to pursue discoveries on multiple assets. And so we put together this portfolio of battery metal assets, uh, both in uh, Norway and in Sweden. And this group of assets are really in interesting. We, we've been collecting, we're putting this together since 2017, this uh, particular group. And these were projects that were originally discovered by Falconbridge in the case of the Norwegian assets and state-run enterprises in the case of the, uh, the Swedish assets. And so these things were, the exploration, a lot of the original work was done back, starting back in the 1970s in the Swedish assets, but none since the global financial crisis. And so you may recall that Falconbridge was purchased by Extrata in mm -hmm. the year, I, th I think it was 2006. And Falconbridge had done a lot of regional exploration in the Nordics because they had a presence there. But when they were bought by Extrata, those programs, the, the, the funding for the regional exploration was cut and they abandoned those projects and they'd just been sitting there. And so we were able to come in and pick up a bunch of projects that have seen significant historic work. And so we got a huge head start on these. There's mm -hmm. drill to find mineralization. There are resources in several of these properties, a really good starting point. Sir, I know you have an intimate knowledge on these projects. Can you provide us with an overview on the Swedish projects first? Yeah, so these were projects that were picked up in what's called the Nickel Line. And so this is an area in which the Swedish government had focused quite a bit of attention back in the 1970s and 1980s. Uh, and, you know, in that era, all the exploration in Sweden was uh, done by state-run enterprises. And so they their modus operandi is they'd come in, they'd look for um, outcropping discoveries or places where mineralization was exposed to the surface, did drill a pincushion of shallow drill holes, and then move on to the next project. And so they left behind a whole series of these partly drilled out, partly explored resources that were never uh, drilled to depth. Uh, and they, they indicate that in their notes. You read the exploration uh, histories, and you look at the records, and you can see, yeah, they, uh, sometimes you just see the tops of these systems. We really have no idea how they project to depth, or even in some cases, what happens along strike. So it, it's a really interesting uh, series of opportunities there. And we see all kinds of other indicators of other bodies of mineralization being present in these licenses that have just never been explored fundamentally. So really neat opportunities. How about an overview on the Norwegian projects? Yeah, so this stuff, again, can't, uh, this goes back to the, the Falcon Bridge uh, programs. And so this was a group that came into Norway in the 1920s there's a big uh, refining and processing nickel refinery in, in uh, southern Norway called Nickelverk, and that was uh, purchased by Falconbridge back in the 1920s. It was one of the world's, again, it was probably, I think, the world's largest producer of those commodities back in the 1800s. Uh, and then Falconbridge owned that for, for many, many decades. And then they started doing uh, quite a bit of rigorous exploration in the early 2000s before they were purchased by Extrata, and they they assembled a whole series of projects, ran geophysics, did some scout drilling, did a lot of surface work, and defined a whole series of opportunities. And in 2006, it, uh, they pulled up their stakes. The projects got transferred to a JV partner who basically never recovered from the, the subsequent global financial crisis. You may recall it was just right before the wheels came off the, the, the global financial system. And yeah, those projects have been idle ever since then. And you know, 2012, 2013, 2014, no one cared about nickel. They, these, these products were just sitting there. And so we began uh, collecting these, going out and acquiring these mineral rights in 2016, 2017, and as recently as last year. What are the exploration plans for 2021 on these projects? Yeah, we're going to be pretty aggressive. And so, yeah, once we're, there, there's a financing that's taking place, uh, be taking place now. In the coming weeks, and then yeah, we'll put these uh, we'll put these exploration dollars to work. There's a lot we, we can do just picking up where the other 
uh, teams that left off back from the 1980s or 2000 era exploration programs. And so, yeah, we have a bunch of surface work to do. We're going to refine drill targets. Several of the products have walk-up drill targets, and we're hoping to, uh, to commence drilling probably in the summer months of 2021 if things go well. And then a whole series of just logical uh, steps that will apply the, the types of uh, uh, methodologies other companies have used in that region with great success to make other discoveries. And so the nice thing about these is that a lot of the discoveries are already made. We just got to continue to explore them. So that's a great place to start, and there's plenty, plenty to do this year, starting with the surface work. So we're going to start the surface work. How about assay results? Has there been any delays there from that region? Uh, you know, nothing. The, the labs are actually in pretty good shape. Now, obviously, we're dealing with the uh, the travel restrictions that are in place uh, with the pandemic. But now with the proliferation of vaccines, we believe that the travel uh, restrictions that are in place will be hopefully lifted later, uh, in mid part of this year, maybe later this year. So we'll, we'll, we'll be able to move uh around freely again in Fennel Scandia, the Nordic countries uh, in, in, the, in the near future. So that, that is a concern right now because things are a little bit delayed. It's hard to go between the countries right now. But the labs seem to be in pretty good shape. And so we've been able to get assays turned around rather quickly uh, on, our, on our, the current products that we're exploring. And so we're excited about this new, uh, this new partnership. Uh, we'll get this underway as, you know, the, there's still snow cover on most of these properties. But, you know, we'll see that abate in the next uh, couple of months, and then we'll get to work on the surface. Dr. Jensen, I'm smiling from ear to ear. All of the uh, aforementioned are just great use of optionality and yet another perfect demonstration of the vision, patience, and deployment of the Project Generation business model by EMX Royalty. Before we close, Dr. Jensen, please provide us with the capital structure for EMX Royalty. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> so we have uh, 84 million shares uh, issued and outstanding at this point, 92 million on a fully diluted basis. But the key point for EMX Marie says, you're aware we're well capitalized. We have plenty of cash. And show, so shareholders like myself, I'm a key shareholder in the company. We don't have to worry about EMX running out of money and taking a, a dilutive financing, which happens in, in, in this sector at times. So, yeah, we did a small financing back in 2017 uh, for a very specific purpose. And I believe that's the only financing we've done then since 2000, Q1 2011. So it's been a decade since we've, we've had to take down a financing. So yeah, tight share structure, well-capitalized, strong treasury, good revenue streams from multiple sources of funding in our existing in our, our project portfolio. Yeah, we're really well-positioned. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this. You don't have to give me a time frame. I just want to know if there's a discussion, <laughs> only a discussion, but uh, any discussions regarding dividends? Uh, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we get that question a lot. I'm sure you, <laughs> you do. Probably expect. Yeah, you know, we're, we're really focused right now on just the clever and prudent ways to deploy our, our capital we have in the Treasury, because our goal, it's no secret that we are out looking for, uh, again, a good, clever, prudent ways to deploy our Treasury to secure additional cash flow for the company. That's our primary focus. And so just a side thing, anyone out there with royalties or cash flowing assets should not hesitate to, to contact us. But uh, yeah, we're on a good path for positive and increasing cash flow within the company. Uh, we have a number of royalty assets that are now reaching the production stage. Again, our, our core of our business is the organic generation of royalties. And a lot of the projects that we've been working on for years now are now reaching that production stage. So we're seeing that in several cases. And, uh, yeah, we expect that, that, that those production royalty revenue streams are gonna, will be a catalyst to reprice our, our, our stock in the future. But, yeah, we are eager to find additional sources of those types of revenues. And, and, yeah, and but certainly a dividend is part of the discussion right now. A lot of people have been asking us about that. 
But the first, uh, our first objective is to make sure that this company is on really solid financial footing, as it has been, but we want to secure that future for our shareholders as well. You know, you alluded to it there with uh, future uh, cash flow generating here shortly. Uh, can you tell us anything about uh, the events going on right now in Serbia? Yeah, so um, I guess the, the best thing I can do at this point is to, uh, is to direct the, uh, the listeners to uh, Zijin, which is the big Chinese multinational company that's advancing that project in which we have, you're referring to the Timok Absolutely. Uh, Magmatic complex where we have a royalty and we have a royalty across the, uh, the Chikru Peke discovery, which is one of the world's, the, the world's biggest uh, or ongoing, I should say, uh, discoveries of copper and gold in the past decade. It was a great discovery that's now being advanced by Zajin, an international, uh, uh, a growing, a rapidly growing international uh, player in the, in, the, in the mining sector. And yeah, we've got a royalty and I'd, I'd, I'd encourage people to go look at their website. They put up some news recently in terms of their production schedule. Uh, they're on pace. To, uh, they've been telling the market that they'll be producing from Chikuro Peke in uh, Q2 2021, and that's the latest indication from the website. That they're on pace to do that. So, yeah, pretty exciting news coming out of there. But that's going to be a great royalty for our company for years to come. Folks, this is a behemoth. I know Dr. Jensen kind of said that a little uh, conservatively, <laughs> but this is a, this is a, it's, 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 I guess I don't know which one excites me more, Malmish, uh, what occurred there or, or what we have going on here. They're both just fantastic uh, assets for the company and shareholders. Yeah, if you could, as a geologist, if you could just build a, a, a copper and gold deposit, you'd build it like Chikuro Peke. It's got a real high-grade, it's like a big animal with a hat, and that hat is a high-grade copper and gold system. And so as they, as they mine downward, they're going to start in this ultra-high-grade material, which they've, they've got some announcements on the website uh, about that. And then there's a big porphyry copper gold system below it, that, uh, the bottom of which is never, has, you know, they've, they've not finished drilling out. It's still, it's still expanding. So it's a, it's a great system. It's got this real high-grade value driver on top where you're going to start your mining. Then you get this big porphyry system that underlies that. So, it's a, yeah, it's a fantastic discovery, a great story. And, again, a recurring theme, a surging copper price, increased demand, yeah. and, again, a company that's going to be profiting from that, and that's going to be EMX Royalty and their shareholders. In closing, multi-layered question here. What is the next unanswered question for EMX Royalty? When can we expect a response, and what determines success? Yeah, you know, I come right back to that, the, the question of, of cash flow. Again, we're looking for cash flow. We're looking to augment the, uh, the value creation and the value drivers for the, for the company. And so that's something a lot of us are focused on right now. And uh, one thing I want to point out that may not be uh, uh, all that obvious uh, uh, to the market is that, uh, you know, we've assembled a, a very elite team of, of advanced project evaluators at EMX because we're, we're looking at uh, these royalty interests. We're looking at advanced projects. We, we developed a team of eight players with a lot of wealth of development and operational experience. And I would put this team up against any other due diligence team in the world in terms of their ability to quickly decipher value and to see red flags on operations and investment opportunities that other companies may not see. And so I, I think a lot of interesting decisions are being made by royalty companies out there right now in terms of buying assets, but we're not going to make any big mistakes. We've got a great technical team. Uh, we are keen uh, stewards of shareholder value, and we have our eye on the long run. And so this is a company that's beta. We call it the, the get-rich-slow scheme. I call it a value creation, a crescendo of value creation, and that we're on that path, and we intend to stay there. Sir, what keeps you up at night that we don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, I'm a terrible sleeper as it is, <laughs> but what keeps me up at night is just uh, quite simply it's missing uh, the, the – 
the thought of missing an opportunity or missing a royalty opportunity, the, the opportunity to pick up a great project or a royalty, uh, you know, there's times I'll sit up at two in the morning and just think, you know, hey, we looked at this project 10 years ago. You know, maybe that came open. Maybe the, maybe the claims were dropped. And you run to the computer and you get your GIS database and you start flipping through land status and seeing if there's some, an opportunity there. So, yeah, I, I hate getting beat to, to new opportunities. We've got a great, dynamic, nimble team that's out there around the world looking for, for new value uh, for the company. And so I don't like getting beat to stuff. That keeps me up. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Last question, and that is, what did I forget to ask? Yeah, that's you know, I come back again to that that technical team again. It's what you know, what what value drivers within EMX are not visible to the market, and I think that this uh, uh, this crack uh, team of A players we put together to assess advanced project opportunities, strategic investments. And royalties. People may not be able to see that from the outside, but this is a great value driver for our company. And uh, yeah, I'm very confident in this team's ability and our, our, our uh, and the willingness of the team also to think entrepreneurially and creatively about where, where value uh, may lie that other companies can't see. We've had a history of doing that. We've gone to some unusual jurisdictions. You referred to the Malmish project in Far Eastern Russia. Uh, we've capitalized opportunities in, in ways that other companies have not been able to. And that, that's a credit to the, the people we have on this team. It's a fantastic group to work with. We love what we do. We have a lot of fun. It's a great group, great group of people. And, uh, yeah, we're going to continue to deliver value and hopefully a real big way. EMX Royalty is just the perfect combination of the tangibles and the intangibles. And, again, I'm on record. This is my third year. I plan to match my precious metal purchases with shares in EMX Royalty. Dr. Jensen, for someone listening that wants to get more information about EMX Royalty, please share the website address. Yes, www.emx Echo Michael X-ray royalty.com. So www.emxroyalty.com. Dr. Jensen, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Wishing you and EMX Royalty the absolute best, sir. Thank you, Maurice. It was great talking with you. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.